I've been a Hawksoft user for 15 years. It's all about ease of use, access to information, and price. I bought an agency a few years back that had uh, one of the competitors and two users. I added those two users to my account, and the new price with Hawksoft was still one-fourth of the price with that other company. I don't know why anybody else would do anything but Hawksoft. You've got a KPI dashboard that works great and uh, everything just top notch. They have a great uh, users group that gives you a lot of information and you can pick up a mentor for using Hawksoft or just hey, a mentor for business too through the users group. So I'm Rodney Cook, Cook Insurance Group. And you should use Hawksoft because it's the best one out there. Hey guys, it's Bradley. I want to tell you about Ascend. Ascend is not just another premium finance company. Ascend will solve all of your agency bill problems through automation of invoicing, premium financing, carrier payables, all the way to the end of the workflow. There's a lot of hidden costs with how you're doing business today. AMSs, CRMs can spend more than half the day chasing down payments, following up on non-pays, getting signatures for financing docs. This leads to an overworked, overwhelmed, unhappy team. And guys, you want your team to be happy. Industry's hard enough as it is. We really need them to be happy. As your agency grows, this issue gets worse and worse. And we typically solve the problem with a little bit of software, but a ton of manpower still involved. With Ascend, you can use a software first solution and just need a little bit of manpower, allowing you to grow without significant increase in overhead. Ascend automates all of these repetitive payment processes so your team can get back to helping your clients. With Ascend, we've seen non-payment cancellations in our agency go down up to 95%. Teams save more than 20 hours per month when they work with Ascend and an average of a 75% decrease in payment-related customer questions. Guys, if people aren't calling your office with questions, you have more time to sell and grow your agency. Visit useascend.com backslash insurance, guys. Guys, Ascend makes agency bill as easy as direct bill, but you keep all of the benefits of agency bill the best of both worlds. Thanks, guys. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Hawksaw. God, I love Hawksaw. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started in today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama. Parade First Team All-American rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm good, but I have something to talk about real quick. Uh-oh. So you had a birthday recently. January 1. And you have you have one of two worst birthday dates. Christmas. Yep. In January 1st, does it ever feel like everybody forgets your birthday? Uh, Worse than that. So a couple stories here. Anytime you have a birthday on a 10-day swing around Christmas, growing up, especially if you're poor or lower middle class, you'll, oh, you'll come down 
to see what Santa Claus got you or, you know, your parents will have a few presents for you and they'll say, oh, by the way, that's your birthday and your yeah, Christmas. Exactly. That's number one. That's one Which problem. sucks as a 10 yeah. year old. You're like, really? Okay, whatever. Number two problem. When I was growing up, you know, my parents were, I don't know, by the time I was like a senior, junior in high school, they were, you know, they were up in their forties, maybe, you know, 45, somewhere in that range. So, you know, you get up in your fifties and sixties, you, you don't care about the ball dropping or going out for new years. You, you know, you get in your damn whitey tidies and you go to yeah. bed about nine or nine 30. Well, all of my friends in high school and in college and to some degree today, right now I'm 52 years old. They thought it would be absolutely hilarious to get shit face drunk and call Scott's home phone number <laughs> in high school at like 12.02 a.m. And, of course, <laughs> Wyatt answers the phone. And oh, this is like? Oh, this was like when I was 18, okay. you know, before cell phones. You oh, know, Wyatt, your dad. I was my, thinking yeah, Wyatt, Ralph so. Wyatt. So, yeah. so, so, you know, inevitably I'd get my ass chewed like my from my junior year of high school through my senior year of college. Somebody would call the house phone. So at 12.01, and my dad would be dead-ass asleep, and it's, mm-hmm. hey, it's, you know, music, boom, 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 yeah, yeah. in the background. Hey, is Scott there? Yeah, uh, no, Scott's uh, no, Scott's not here. Bye. I sounded, I, they people say I sound just like him. Click, hangs up the phone. So I got you. I didn't forget your birthday. Uh, well. I got you a birthday present. No, you didn't. I did. I bullshit. I did. It's right here. I picked dude, it up. I picked it up this morning. Dude, this is monumental right here. I'm never- All right. What is your favorite whiskey? Oh, uh, that's an easy, easy question. I'm having a, a senior moment right here. Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. I got yep, you. Yep, Eagle yep, Rare. That is my favorite, by the way. Yes, yeah, Eagle yes. Rare. Man, dude, you shouldn't have done that. This stuff is not cheap anymore either. It's still cheap. It's just not easy to find. Eagle Rare, ladies and gentlemen. It I, is. Called, I called in some favors and, and got you one. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Dude. It's uh, aged for 10 years. If you haven't tried it before, here, let me give you the recipe. Eagle Rare is is made, bottled by uh, Buffalo Trace, and I believe a couple of your favorite liquors are bottled as well by them. So try it in a tumbler with a little bit of ice, put a little ice in it. A little Coke. No, no, no. (laughs) I don't don't do Coke anymore. I used to in college. And then put just a little splash of water in it and hit it, you know, pour it about half tumbler, about half full of Eagle Rare. And man, that's some that's some good drinking right there. Very smooth whiskey. It I, is. I love good. Eagle Rare. It's good. It. Bradley, we got a lot to talk about during our podcast sessions over the next two days. I posted a video on TikTok and Twitter talking about coming down here. Uh, we do have breaking news today for the insurance industry that uh, I think everybody needs to know about. I'll give my my breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, before we continue today's podcast with a dear friend of mine and uh, somebody that we should have already had on the podcast a long time ago, I think it's imperative that each and every one of you from across the United States to across the world, all 250,000 insurance agents are probably sitting on the edge of their seat today to listen and find out that Crackhead Christie is back in Pine Ridge, Alabama. <laughs> Not only is Crackhead Christie back in Pine Ridge, Alabama, the day last week when she came back, she started sulking around my house, walking up and down in front of the street, 
and my wife met her at the end of the driveway. They exchanged words. And then yesterday, as I am packing to come down to Mobile, she sat in her single-wide trailer window, which the, the single-wide is long ways uh, across the street from my house. And on her window, instead of having blinds or draperies, she has a rebel flag. I swear <laughs> to God, I, I, I'm going to have Kim take the picture and send it to Bradley today so he can verify what I – she has a rebel flag. Well, she's taking the rebel flag, and I, get, I don't know if she's pulled it, uh, uh, you know, kind of away from the window so she can sit there and watch me or if she's just holding it. She watched me pack for 15 minutes to come down here yesterday, and I walked in the house. Kim said, Scott, you know she's going to be over here as soon as you leave wanting to steal something. And I said, Kim? I got four blank cameras covering every inch of this house. Then I went outside the perimeter. I, I got with CJ Hudson pillar. He posted something one time on like Facebook about using these, uh, solar powered security cameras. Mm -hmm. Well, I went and bought a bunch of them. So I have double layer of cameras around my house. I have the solar power powered ones out in the woods, 4k looking back towards the house in every direction. Then I have the blink cameras. You should see you should see my phone. At any moment, I get notifications when the wind blows and leaves move, you know, in the trees. So if she comes over there, guys, she's going back to jail. She's going back to jail. But she watched me for 15 minutes packed to come down here yesterday through her Dixie flag. <laughs> I think it may be a beach towel. If you remember the old <laughs> Dixie flag beach towels. Yeah, it, I think it's like a beach towel. She tacked up above yeah. the window and she's sitting there watching me through that beach towel come down here. But uh, yeah, Crackhead Christie's back. It will make for some of the best podcast content in the history of mankind. Uh, we will do a special Zoom call podcast if my wife goes to jail for beating the hell out of her one day because you know you and i'll have to podcast that call, live call in from the jail oh yeah. absolutely she'll be she'll be uh right next door to amy her mother called like 15 minutes before kim saw her she goes kim i've got something i need to tell you but i don't want you to go to jail <laughs> i swear to god she did she goes christy's back at her trailer and of course kim called me like a nanosecond after that, she's back over here. And then about a nanosecond after that, you sent a video to me and Corella. I was like, this is going to make for the greatest content in the history of podcasting. Well, she was locked up for a while. She might have over a year and a half at this point. Over a year and a half. I'll tell you one of the saddest things I've ever seen. You know, my, my in-laws live right next door to me, like literally 50 yards from my house. Well, Christmas Day, all their grandkids were out in the front yard playing. We had uh, Christmas lunch. Christy sat there the whole time looking through that rebel flag beach towel that she has for a curtain watching these kids play. And I, I'm looking up there at her and I thought, damn, that's sad. You, you should know, go, you should go rent like a, a skid steer or something, something very expensive and just sit it in the front yard and just bait her dare to steal it. Well, that's the reason, like, you know, there's this part of me, Bradley, that's like, I want to help her. You know, like I thought about going over there Christmas day after I watched her doing that and handing her a hundred dollar bill and just saying, Hey, Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great, but hell she just, that stuff would have been turned into meth so fast. She would have just struck out walking to the meth drug dealer and gotten some drugs with it. I know what she would have done with it. So I'm like, you know, you have this, these, these opposing things going on, but you know, the, two weeks after we moved in our house, she tried to steal everything in our damn garage and go hawk all of it you know it was i don't know it's 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 a it's a very strange 
thing, having a, a tweaker live across the street from you. Like she may be sober right now, but how long does that last? You know, but she's already doing the thing where she walks up and down the street waiting for somebody to pick her up. So anyway, guys, we got a very special episode of the insurance guys podcast to, to uh, put out today. I am so excited to have one of my best friends in the world. This is a guy, ladies and gentlemen, that when I'm around him, I just feel like a better person. I'll just be completely honest with you. I'm going to have the opportunity to spend some time with him in May. We're going to be down in Key West, Florida together. And uh, my wife is the one that brokered that deal. I was sitting out on our back patio one day, and she comes up, opens the back sliding glass door, and she said, hey. And I said, yeah, what's going on, baby? And she said, I want to go down to Key West, and I want to see Doug and Liz and David and Annie. And she closed the door and walked off. There you go. <laughs> well, here we go. And so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to give him the introduction he has always deserved. He is born, raised, and currently resides in Buffalo, New York. He is married to the beautiful Liz. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop right there and say something. I have been with my wife for seven years, and we've been to a lot of places, and we've done a lot of things, and we spend a lot of time together. I have never in my life seen somebody make my wife laugh the way that Doug Benz's wife, Liz, can make my wife I laugh. I love Liz Benz. It, she will get down in the floor laughing at, at Liz Benz. They have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six beautiful babies. They've got Jane, age 20, Jack, age 18, Charlie, age 17, Fred, age 14, George, age 11, and Bunny, age seven. Hey, guys, all the kids in the Benz family, do me a big favor. This will mean more to your daddy than anything you could ever give him. But do me a huge favor and walk up to him after you listen to this podcast. I know some of you will. And give him a big hug and tell him just how much you love him and how proud you are of what he's accomplished in his life because he's accomplished a lot. We're going to talk about a, lot, about a lot of cool things today that your dad did. And I I can promise you one thing. If you did that, if you walked up to him, hugged his neck, said, Dad, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, it would mean more to him than anything you could ever give him. So please do that for me. He is a graduate of the University of Buffalo with a BA in political science. And I'm going to go over some of this other stuff in a little bit a little bit later. But in 2014, he became the associate agent and operator for Old Naples Insurance Agency. And in 20, and uh, excuse me, in January of 2017, he ate a bad piece of pizza and decided to open up new Buffalo Insurance Agency, where he is today as the CEO and president. In 2018, his beautiful wife Liz joined the team. And ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you one of my favorite people in the world. Without further ado, Mr. Doug Benz. How are you, Doug? Um, wonderful. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm very excited to be here today. That was a very sweet introduction. And, and I'll tell you, this is a special occasion because I'm just extremely honored to be with uh, both of you today. And uh, to be on your show is um, is just something something really amazing. So thank you for having me. Hey Doug, I'm going to take the unusual side road here. I'm going to I'm going to go left instead of right. So instead of us jumping in my DeLorean, 
and going back and talking about how you got into the insurance industry, which we'll get to your resume of success is, is really unbelievable. But I want to, I want to start back prior to 2014 when you became an associate agent, because there was this, this other season of your life when you were a completely different person relative to your occupation and what you were doing. Now, you and I have had some of these conversations, but I want to let some of these insurance agents out there kind of know a little bit about who Doug Benz was prior to getting into the insurance industry. So let's start back with, let's start back with being a photographer in the sporting and the news industry. You know, you told me one time that you used to shoot for Sports Illustrated. Talk a little bit about that. Some of the biggest games that you uh, were able to take pictures of. And somebody, a little birdie, told me one time, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, I'm just going to ask you, that you were one of the photographers for maybe a couple of the uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit editions. Is that true? <laughs> I never made it to the swimsuit edition. Okay. Scott. I'll start out okay. on that note. I'll start out on that note. I was, I was always <laughs> hey, yeah, just and to applying. clarify for Liz. Hey, hey, hey by the way, by the way, there was like uh, 67,000 male insurance agents when I said that, that literally turned the radio up on their car right then. <laughs> like, they were like, wait a second, hold on. Uh, hey, they looked at their passenger and they were like, hey, kids, shut up. And they turned the radio up right then. Go ahead, talk a little I bit had about bags packed for Aruba, <laughs> the cameras ready to go. But I, I just it. never got it. that nod, unfortunately. But um, yes, I, I did. Um, before getting into the insurance world that we all know and love, I um, I used to take pictures, and I kind of really got rolling with it in college. As you kind of reference, I didn't go to college for it. Right. But I started out at this school newspaper, and um, and I had I ended up developing some some connections really in the industry, and um, you know by the time I got out of college in two thousand one, I, I couldn't really figure out exactly what I wanted to do, and just by kind of like luck, I'm like, well, you know, I got this camera gear, and I'll just keep taking pictures, and it developed into a pretty interesting career path and stretch of time for me. Um, and I got to do some pretty cool stuff, and uh, I stuck with it for about a decade. And uh, you know, print media has got a lot of challenges. It's like no surprise. I don't know if, if anybody's picked up a newspaper recently, but it's a it's very different or a magazine than it used to be. So, kind of seeing that handwriting on the wall and having a growing family, I made the pivot away from it. But it was a good stretch, and and I did. I got I kind of started out really. Uh, assisting for some Sports Illustrated guys, like I would, I would carry their cameras, and that uh, that sort of launched me into the, the the world of contacts, at least at like national media publications, and um, and from there it kind of grew. I, I was relatively decent at it, and I enjoyed it, but but like I said, it just kind of became a real tough business, and um, and and it just uh, uh, sort of like almost like a rug that gets pulled out from under your feet it was very different by the time i left than the time i got into it which was just a short window and it had been relatively like similar from like matthew brady in the civil war up until like the early 2000s when the digital revolution kind of took over and the internet and stuff it, it changed the business dramatically so so i would imagine it being sort of a sexy job per se 
that I have friends who are in the news industry, like TV news yeah. and, and even radio some more on a local regional level. And they always talk about because it's a cool job, you always have a plethora of people who are willing to do your job for a lot less money because yeah, they want to sexy. break into that industry. So you'll see this a lot of times, especially in radio, you'll see some radio hosts that'll get up, up in age and, right. and they'll lay them off in exchange for a 25 year old who's willing to do it for half. Yeah. And I would imagine it's somewhat competitive in that nature. And, and a lot of that probably leads to that, that rug getting pulled out from under you. Of course, with photography, it's more of a skill thing right. too, but is that, is that sort of what led to, some of that? Yeah, I, I would say so. In fact, I can think of some people, some very fine people, but maybe they, you know, uh, one guy I know uh, in, in, in particular was maybe like early 50s and did did 20 years as a police officer and retired and had a nice pension. And he was like, I'm just going to be a photographer. So he would, you know, he kind of found a way to get a credential and he didn't even want to be paid. You know, he just wanted to be out there. Right. So, um, uh, you know, that was kind of who you were competing against. And in, in my time in the business, you would you would get paid a, a, a day rate. You know, you get paid for your time. And then depending on how the, the content, how the photos were used, you know, you'd receive maybe some compensation for for the space that they took up in a publication. They, they you get paid for time and space. And um and, and how that changed a lot when I was leaving was was it would you would go out and now photograph things on on spec uh, we would call it or or you'd yeah. speculate that you know I'm going to take some pictures and somebody will want to buy them so it was kind of like not even really a guarantee anymore and there was just which was a very big um, switch from how I came into it where you know you again you're being compensated at the very bare minimum for your time all of your expenses things like that and it just kind of switched because. You know, when you think about just when I started in it, you be, you're at an NFL game, you know, um, you know, th th those folks move really, really fast. Like, and you, <laughs> you you appreciate that taking photos and even versus a college game. Right. I mean, they are moving like 70 percent faster on an NFL field than they are on a, on a college field. And, um, you know, in the old days, be before I got into it, I got into it when it was still film, but autofocus was a thing. But before that, it was like all manual focus, you know, so like you really had to have some skill and talent. Yeah. And, you know, by by the time I wound down, I was still doing a little bit of it after I got into the insurance industry. It was sort of how I was able to to start on commission and, and build a book of business. I was still I was still um, shooting photos. But by then, I mean, you were kind of almost like shooting movies, you know, instead of a right. roll of film with 36 frames, you know, you just had huge, huge flashcards that could. You could put about a bajillion photos on and you could just wail away. And, and if you pointed the camera in the general direction of the action, you know, the, the technology was just so good. It was going to focus and grab it. I had a buddy that uh, his brother was a, a golf, a golf coach. Mm. Yeah. And part of what a golf coach does is they will put your swing up on screen when they're coaching you next to a pro. And this guy went and he was also, I think Dude, he did they some, do the same thing in baseball now. Yeah. They he use did, an iPad and they do the, yeah. The put them, put the two together mm -hmm. almost like a collage. Here's, here's, video. here's uh, Roy McElroy right. and here's your sorry, but yeah. But this guy hard. wanted a film of, of Tiger Woods. So he bought tickets to a practice round. You can take pictures back then. You can take pictures in practice rounds. Now you, I think you can take pictures in the whole tournament except for the Masters. And he like did some research. It may have been like Muirfield Village in Ohio and did some research 
and and found okay tiger always tees up on this side of the tee box right. on this hole sure so did his research he he got there super early because you know the crowds with tiger are, you know insane uh, uh, yes and uh he gets he gets set up i mean this is like eight hours before tiger's even at the course he gets set up right there where he needs to be perfect angle because with golf i mean you've got to be you've got to be uh, they call it down the line. I mean, you've got to be directly behind that player in right. order to get it right. And you can't really move while they're while they're setting up. So you can't tweak or anything. So he gets set up. He waits all day. Sure enough, six, eight hours later, Tiger comes around. He sets up on the perfect side of the tee box. And Stevie Williams, who is Tiger's caddy back then, who is a notorious jerk, is standing there with the bag, looks at Tiger, looks at this guy with his camera set up, and takes one step. And sits the bag oh, right in front ass. of the camera and smiles. What an ass. So I'd imagine you had situations like that, Doug, where you're like, I have the perfect shot, and then something goes wrong because it's a sporting event and you don't get the shot. Well, that was a big part of it. You know, I mean, there was a lot of strategy that went into this. So, you know, the position that you were in was really critical. So if you were if you were covering an event with a team of people, it's a little bit easier. You know, if you're covering a whole game by yourself or something, maybe a regular season game, but it might be a big game, you know, you had to be like really strategic and, um, you know, you might try to work methodically, right? So you're at a, you're at a football game. So you might start out kind of close to the line of scrimmage, get the QBs, you know, kind of like dropping back in the pocket. So it's like, okay, check, you know, I've got, got, I've got some, some action photos of, of the quarterback, you know, and now. I'm going to go downfield and kind of hope and wish that he might kind of air it out a little bit. And I have a nice photo of, of a running back or a receiver, you know, in front of me, kind of like, you know, gaining some yards. But if there's a fumble behind the line of scrimmage and uh, somebody scoops up that ball and runs it back in the other direction, you know, you kind of, you kind of have like nothing. So, you know, if maybe you're down to the wire and the clock's running out and it's a pivotal play, you know, you're not going to kind of gamble and go down the field the other way. You got to sort of play it safe where you could at least maybe see see the other end of the field if something like that happens. So, you know, there was like a real strategy to, to covering it. And, you know, I, I will tell you, the, the editors that we used to work with in New York, you know, they, they were not like, um, you know, particularly like kind and accommodating if a critical if a critical play of the game was missed, you know, they, they weren't like, Oh, you'll get them next time, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> it was like I, quite I, the opposite. You know, they would just scream at you and undress you. It was like kind of in this modern world where, where we're screaming at people is, is, is more taboo, uh, you know, hey, back Doug, then they would scream. Doug, I've got the question to end all questions. And then I got a quick story for you and we're going to jump off into the insurance industry. Cause I yeah. want to help these agents today. So here's the question that every insurance agent driving down the road right now wants to ask. I channel myself through them. Not the, the year is 1986. The Boston Celtics are playing, let's say, the Detroit Pistons in the NBA championship. It's game six, and you're the photographer on the baseline, and Larry Bird hits one of his infamous like fadeaway jump shots that he would do to win the series and the Celtics are the NBA champions. And you're the photographer that took that picture that now, now remember back then in like the mid eighties, even going up into the early nineties, Sports Illustrated was at their zenith. They, there's no telling what that thing was worth back then. What would Sports Illustrated have paid 
that photographer that took that shot that they looked at and they're like, that's it. That's the one that's got to go on the cover. What, what does that guy get paid for that? So, you know, back then they, they, they were mostly freelancers that worked on contract for SI. And, um, so, so you weren't an, an, an employee, you know, who just, just didn't really get paid extra for, 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 for any uh, photos based on how they were used. So if you were a freelancer and you shot that photo on the cover in the 80s, you know, I would guess that you might get, I want to say, maybe like $4,000 or something for a cover. Wow. Um, back then. Just for contents, inflation, though, that's probably what? 40, 10, yeah. 10, 15, 15,000 a day. That's still less than I thought that they would get, you know. You know, those were like th- those were great days for for print media. You know, SI was part of the Time Incorporated family. Uh-huh. So you had Time and SI and People, and you know when you you when you flip through a magazine from from that long ago, you know you got like full page tobacco ads, and you, I mean right. you really had the heyday right. of big money advertising. And you know, I remember somebody telling me a story once that worked there maybe in the late nineties where they went to their boss and they said, you know, every, the, the magazine would go to bed on Monday mornings and you'd get it in your mailbox, like maybe on um, Wednesday or Thursday. And then they would figure out the next week. And, and, and my friend who worked there said, you know, we could save so much money if we would plan out who we, we were going to send where there's certain games we know we're going to cover. So instead of figuring it out on like Monday, telling people, hey, you know, you're getting on a plane this weekend, you're going to cover a college game here on Saturday and an NFL game here on Sunday. Why don't we plan it out and buy these plane tickets in advance? And uh, I think we could save like at least $100,000 during the football season. And, and the boss just scoffed and said, yeah, that's like that's like one week's back page ad. You know, like right. we don't even care about saving $100,000. Yeah. And I- now it's like, I mean, to look at it, it's all wire content. They're not really producing any of their own content anymore I, I think that god love them all i think they just had a scandal with some ai generated content yep. stuff wow and if you've seen an si recently you know it's very different than it was 15 or 20 years ago where it was like a sure. thick glossy magazine now now it's like um it's got you know, a cheaper it's pages feel are to thin it. yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah. Very so, different. so four thousand dollars adjusted for inflation is ninety nine hundred four dollars. Yeah, I thought it would be about ten. So not not terrible, but yeah. it's like it's still not it as much cover, as I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. but that's the cover. Remember, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The day rate, you would get to go out there five hundred bucks. Yeah, I'll I'll so, just say it right out there. You go shoot an assignment. Might take you eight hours. You'd get five hundred bucks. I was doing a ton of stuff for um for the New York Times. And uh, they were one of my number one clients, and I was shooting an assignment or two a week for them, and uh, and that was great. It was sports, it was news, it was so- you know the science page, the business page, the the yeah. arts page. But they would pay you two hundred bucks. Right. Uh, they'd pay you two hundred bucks to go plus expenses, but they'd pay you two hundred bucks to go do an assignment. And it's like you know, even if you're doing a few a week, you know, it, it didn't really add up like it needed to. You know, well, if you me. think about it, four thousand dollars. You know, if you if you take a picture that's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you're going to brag about that for the rest of your life. Correct. Four thousand dollars for that is not equal the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Doug, I got a quick story to tell you, and then I then I, yes, I we, have, we have a commonality that you don't know about, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. All right. So before I do that, though, to 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 keep with our theme here, about four years ago, I was at Auburn University, played Texas A&M at Auburn. I was there. 
Auburn had recently at that time in their south end zone put the biggest digital scoreboard that has ever been put up in the history of the world. Almost, it's it's ridiculous, Bradley. You've yes. probably been to a game. How big the scoreboard is? It's a digital scoreboard. It's huge. Looks like a te- looks like a, a Vizio television, but the size of an entire city block is what it looks like. <laughs> so Auburn Auburn scores a touchdown. Their kicking team during the CBS commercial, their kicking team comes out on the field. They line up. Scoreboard's one hundred ninety feet by fifty seven feet. Yeah, it's it's enormous. Wow. It's ridiculous. They line up. They're going to kick the ball. In the north end zone, there is an attractive young lady, probably in her mid to late 20s, who is, I guess, on assignment or being paid a day rate or whatever to take pictures, still photos of the Auburn-Texas A&M game. May have worked for Auburn University. I don't know. She had a like a Nikon or a Canon camera with a long-range lens. You know, It almost looks like a gun. It's so long. And she has it set up, and and I think she may have even – I want to say she was on her knees, right? But I'm I'm watching this kickoff. I'm in the stands, and this kid kicks the ball off from Auburn. It's one of those high-arcing, going out of the back of the end zone kicks. Well, she's filming. She's taking pictures, probably, you know, high speed, click, 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 at the people running down the field to cover the kickoff. And she never checks up, y'all. She never looks up in the air to see where that ball is. Y'all, that ball comes down, and it hits her right in the face. Uh, I looked at I the person that. I was next to, and I said, she's dead. Were you within eye shot of that? I was. Or you saw it on the I screen? was on the other okay. side of the, what I would call the south end zone. Which, which is the best spot to sit because you're looking directly at the scoreboard right exactly and i thought she was dead doug i thought i thought that she was dead uh, uh, that's that's really tough up. yeah but i mean she never saw it coming either because she had her head down and she was click 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 and all of a sudden this ball comes from nowhere that that was probably what 100 feet up in the air and hits her square right in the nose or the face. Who and was I, that kicker? He ended up kicking in the NFL. Oh, I think it was Daniel Carlson. Daniel Carlson, that's who it was. Yeah. yeah, and he could kick the crap out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hello there. Guys, excuse me for interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast, but I'm here today to get you out of aggregator and cluster jail. This may be the most important message I've ever delivered on the Insurance Guys podcast. Guys, are you a member of a cluster or an aggregator? Does your contract have exit fees, termination payments, buyback provisions? It's time to get your freedom back and do what we did here at iProtect Insurance. Join the AC, the future of aggregators in our industry. Best decision we've ever made, guys. Best decision we've ever made. No entry fees. Small $200 a month membership fee, over 50-plus carriers for direct appointments. And by the way, new ones coming on board each and every month. You keep 100% of your commissions, profit sharing every year. Guys, we have made in the last two years, each year our agency has made over $100,000 in profit sharing. Here's the best part, guys. And this is the part I'm the most passionate about. No termination or exit fees. You give the AC 60 days notice and you're free. 
You go get direct appointments wherever you want. There's no buyback provisions, no exit clauses. Guys, if you're a member of another aggregator and you have termination fees, buyback provisions, exit clauses, every single policy you write, you're digging that hole just a little bit deeper. And one day you're not going to be able to get out of it. It's going to be too much. You're going to be taking out a second mortgage on your home to try to get out of a cluster group. Unbelievable. Guys, go to acfree.org. That's acfree.org and register. Find out why over 650 agencies and $3 billion in premium have chosen the AC. And guys, here's the best part. But wait, there's more. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast when you talk to these guys and you get six months. That's six months of no membership fee just by mentioning the Insurance Guys podcast. Go today, www.acfree.org, and let me help you get your freedom back. Have a great day. Doug, so here's our commonality that we have. You were taking pictures, I believe it was 1994 in Centennial Park when the uh, the bombing occurred in Centennial Park. My mom, dad, and sister were at Centennial Park when that happened as well. I don't know proximity-wise how close they were to you, but my sister was, there was a concert going on. And my sister was young. She was like a ninth or 10th grader. My dad had taken them over there. They went to like a, maybe a diving event and a gymnastics event. And she was trying to talk my dad into going down there and lem- them listening to this concert. And so they were up on a hill. I, best I can remember Centennial Park, you know, what was it in a kind of a hole? I mean, it was kind of down. And then there, there was, it, it is like, kind of a, a hole. Yeah. Matter but, of fact, they, they were up on kind of the top side of this, this hill looking down on Centennial park. And yeah. my, my, of course, my sister's typical teenager, she's doing the whole, well, why can't we go down there? I want to go down there. And about that time, boom, yeah. that's what, why we can't go down there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Go down there. People are screaming and you're yelling and running. Where, where were you at when it happened, Doug? Were you right in the middle of that? So I was a, I was a volunteer at the Atlanta Olympics. It was 1996. I was I was that's eight, six. That's right. It was the summer after I graduated from high school, and and I was kind of getting into this groove a little bit because like I like I said, I had these contacts here. So if you've never gone to the Olympics, you know you can volunteer at the Olympics and go and do some really cool stuff. And I would encourage anyone to do that. It's on my it's on my bucket list to go back. But um, but anyway, so I worked was working in this photo operations office, and a and a few of us. I'll just tell this quickly. We we'd, we'd gone out to dinner, and uh, one of the people, you know, there's the boss at dinner, and some more of us minions. One of the minions says, "Hey, you know, uh, I'm I'm stationed at wrestling or something. There's no wrestling events tomorrow." And somebody says, "Okay, we can use you over at swimming." So in those days, in order to get that guy that, that was going to leave wrestling and go to swimming the following day a credential for the venue. Mm-hmm. We had a fax a request and, uh, and uh, me being kind of low man on the totem pole, you know, it was like probably 11 o'clock at night or something like that. Boss man says, Hey, go back to the office and fax this request over to the folks at swimming. So, so our man can, can walk in the door there tomorrow morning. And, uh, so I was parking and, um, and I thought another car drove, you know, like sometimes when they're doing work, they have like those giant steel plates in the road. 
Uh-huh. And uh, and they're not perfectly square on the road, so like a truck or something drives over and it kind of goes boom. And uh, and I thought I, that was my my first thought was that a truck or something drove over one of those giant steel plates in the road and it just kind of went like boom on the road. And I didn't think anything of it for a minute because I was the, our building, our office was overlooked the Centennial Park. It was right there. So I get out and start walking, and I mean the the, the most the the most. I guess distinct memory of the whole thing was just the mass hysteria. Just if you've never right. seen anything like it, and I haven't since, thankfully, but it was just throngs of people running for their lives, hysterical. And um, and then I started going, you know, like the other way. Like I, I tried to start going through that crowd to go back down to where our office was, office was towards towards the action, and. Um, and it was a wild long night because I got into our office before they locked everything down. So here I am like this 18 year old kid. And I was like organizing like the emergency Olympic photographic pool and all this other like crazy um, stuff and situations like that where you got to get a picture, you know, you, you use what they call like a pool. So maybe if the president or something is doing some cool thing and they, they're going to have one photographer trail them. That photographer might be from the Associated Press or Reuters or whatever. They have to give their photos to everybody else. They just have to hand them out in a pool situation. So we were organizing this pool so that, you know, we could get some coverage of different things and then just sort of distribute all of that because it was this emergency situation. But it was like a real nutso night. Wow. And every time I go back to Atlanta, I, I, I really just can't help but think about it, to, to be honest with you. I bet. Did you get interviewed by the feds? I did not. Okay. I did not, but that was that was a crazy night. That was a really crazy night. So, Doug, let's get let's dive off in the insurance business for just a minute. Now, you were operations associate agent in 2014, climbing my DeLorean for give give me about a two minute, you know, elevator speech on. We put the camera back down, and now it's time to get into insurance industry, and then just kind of bring us up to the day. So, like, um. You know, after that 08 crash, you know, printing, that was a real death blow to print media. That was what made me kind of decide, okay, it's time for something else. And uh, just kind of on a whim, you know, I didn't want to go to school anymore. And right. um, and I and I knew uh, of some people or were loosely acquainted with some people here in town that were in our business. And they seemed like um, they did okay at it. I had a friend in the claims world. He was always telling me these crazy claims stories. And uh, I just thought, I'm going to go get a license and try this. And I found some guys that said, hey, we'll give you, you know, a desk and a phone book and a computer and you can come and, uh, you know, work on a 1099. And I did that there for about four, five years. Halfway through, I sort of stopped shooting pictures. And then they said, hey, we want to open this agency up down in southwest Florida you know, would you move down there with your family and go uh, and, and go do that? So so I did. And it was a great adventure. And, and then at one, one day you're like, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. Yeah. The bad slice of pizza. I like the bad, that. the bad piece of pizza. And, and so at that time, were you in Florida or had you already, had you moved back to. Yeah. So I, I was in Florida and I had part, part of my arrangement was that my, my business here in Buffalo, I was going to kind of remote, remotely uh, work on and maintain while I was down there. And, and I was kind of thinking after a few years, you know, like, like I had a pretty nice book of business here and I, and I thought that's going to like start dying on the vine. You know, somebody's going right. to talk to these people and they're going to say, my guy's 1500 miles away. 
Sure. And um, and I thought, you know, again, uh, all things considered at that time, that uh, to go out on my own, to move back to my hometown and uh, and kind of recapture that business and use it as a seed to start an agency here would be a good plan. And and it was, you know, the city I'm from, they kind of like love when a when an expat returns. And um, and we had a lot of nice kind of support um, getting rolling back back uh, in 17. Wow. And tell me a little bit about the trials and tribulations. In fact, before we do that, so Liz has come on board as, as you know, marketing and, and part of the team there. Yeah. What's it like? What's it like to have a, a spouse that's uh, not just in the industry, which Bradley can speak to because his spouse is a state farm principal agent. But what is, what is it like to have a spouse day to day in your business and you guys going home at night and are you talking insurance or do you take the, the insurance hard hat off and, and, and put on the husband and wife hat when you get home? How, how does that go? Yeah, it's tough. I'm going to be totally just honest with you. It is hard. I don't know that I would jump up and down and recommend it to a lot of people. And, and quite honestly, I think our plan long-term is for Liz who really handles personal lines is to kind of step back from that and maybe refocus more on on marketing or some bigger picture stuff but being in the trenches day to day especially after this like crazy market this past year you know it, it's it's a little hard at times it is we we've been married for 20 years and um you know we never worked together and you know for like the first i don't know whatever it would be 14 15 so um it wasn't like we've been doing this forever but i mean we've grown into it and i think we have a an a good groove but at the same time it, it is it is challenging to work with your spouse because like you say sure. you kind of it's it's like hard to turn it off and you're yeah you know like in any marriage i think sometimes you know you come at each other a little bit when you're frustrated or whatever and then like you add in like a work dynamic to that too right and um you know it's like you were a real jerk on the phone to that guy this morning or something <laughs> like that and you're dealing with that in addition to like here, you know, stuff with the kids or who's making dinner or like coming home to a sink full of dishes or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's interesting. I would imagine too, like there's some good sides of that as well, because we've all had that really good day at work and we come home and our spouse doesn't appreciate it. So yeah. it feels like it's like, I remember uh, actually back to the sports stuff, Rod Bramlett, who was Auburn's play-by-play -play announcer forever made that glorious call with the kick six at the iron bowl he actually told the story attended a speech he gave mm. and he told the story about how his family never thought what he did for work was cool and he he did this amazing call for the iron bowl and it's played i mean but yeah. i think he said by the time it got home it had been played a thousand times on espn mm. and he had this vision of him getting home and his wife and kids meet him at the door, hug him. You're finally cool. This was the greatest he thing. He picked up the milk. And he walked in, and there was a trash bag sitting by the door with a note <laughs> on it that said, great call. Please take the trash out before you come yeah, in. There you go. Uh, so I would imagine, Doug, that that the flip side of that is, is when you guys have that great day at work, it does bleed into the home life in a good way that everybody's in a little bit of a more jovial mood and and celebrating and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's a good point. We 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 I think the highs are a little higher because you appreciate it, whether it's something that um you know success that Liz has or something that I do that's successful. Like we're we're in tune to what's going on. And it's generally pretty awesome. I mean, she's great 
we we've made we've made some huge technology pivots. We we went live with Hawksoft on um on November 20th and we've got, you know, 10 other different things that are kind of communicating with that and working with that to to really take a huge leap. And like Liz has been kind of the master of 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 that and uh the build out and the zapiers and the APIs of all this stuff and I mean she's she's pretty brilliant but it's it's interesting. It's 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 yeah. it's interesting. I it, it kind of like we fell into sort of being partners and it's and it's generally pretty good but it, it, at times it can be challenging, you know. I'm not I'm not going to lie. So one other thing I wanted to bring up while we were on this podcast today and then we're going to get into some I guess questions related to 2024 and goals and technology and things like that for a minute but you're the current chairman of the board for the Big Eye Western New York and you also serve as director on the board of the Big Eye New York talk That's a little right. bit about that and kind of is is that something that you enjoy doing I, I can't think of anything I would hate worse and Bradley Flowers my damn podcast co-host sends me a text message this weekend Oh, I forgot to tell you, Scott, I nominated you to be the secretary treasurer for the uh, Big Eye of Alabama. I nominate him every year. Please they tell never, me you're never, lying. They never call him. Please tell me you're lying about that. <laughs> we'll find out. Do you enjoy <laughs> doing that, Doug? Because I, I, I can't think of anything I would hate more. Scott's going to need some, yeah. some secretary treasurer training. <laughs> yeah, I may need to come up to your office for a few days. <laughs> Anytime. I'm oh, at. my God. Do you enjoy um, doing it? Yeah, I do enjoy doing it. It's it's been pretty cool. Um, I fell into it kind of by accident. My old agency life, you know, we weren't involved in anything like that really. And um, when I was starting this agency, one of the carrier reps said to me, like, basically, we'll appoint you, but I want you to run for the seat on the on the Big Eye of Western New York board. Oh boy. And uh, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And she kind of set the whole thing up, and they they vote every year at their golf outing in like June at the golf outing. So I got like voted in and I must've missed the email or something. And it was <laughs> like September it was the first board meeting coming up and they're like, Hey, you know, you're, you're being installed at this dinner and we're going to have a, you know, a board meeting schedule. And I'm like, Oh man. All right. Like, so I guess, I guess I'm into this thing. So it's been a while with Western New York board chairman's like the fancy way to say the immediate past president. So last year was sort of like my heavy lift year with them. And um, and this year it's, um, you know, I'm supporting the current president, uh, Lisa Husainov is her name. She's pretty awesome. But um, uh, it's been good. You know, our, our big eye here, among the things that big eyes do everywhere, you know, we're like very involved legislatively. So it's been interesting to me, my time in the news business you know, I developed a lot of relationships with people in politics and um, not to so mention now, political science like when, degree. Yeah, there you go. And so it's always kind of been interesting to me. And wow. uh, I think when I was taking that political science, I was maybe thinking about law school. But, you know, the news business you cover a lot of politics. And, um, you know, now a huge part of what we do is legislative advocacy. So we're in a we're in a state where there's you know generally a lot of distrust of people in in the insurance world and there's 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 a a lot of folks in elected office i think who tend to think of when well, they hear insurance and they think of uh you know you, you know you're the guy that denied my granny's cancer medication or something like right. that 
And um, so there's a little bit of a stigma there that we're always trying to overcome. But, but you know, we had a, some really great success this year advocating in Albany. We, um, we got a bill over the finish line that did away with these antiquated photo inspections we had to do for every person aligns car we insured. And that feels good and it's been pretty cool. So uh, as I wind down with West, Western New York, I got some time to go um, with the New York folks and um and and it's it's been it's been pretty cool there's some really great people i've met one unintended thing that i'll throw out there for people listening is that when i did join that western new york board i did not realize i did not realize how much access that was going to give me to carrier representatives and like we were a new agency and uh i i had folks that were coming to me saying like hey can we appoint you you know from like big national hmm. markets and instead of us you have my attention with business plan kind of Keep begging talking. For, <laughs> uh begging for these these appointments you know i had and i and I, I'll, I'll i'll say it you know hartford and liberty mutual we got direct appointments with both of those markets really as a result of developing some relationship with their folks in big eye in the local big eye so um and there's some other markets too so that that was that was unintended and like very valuable to us to, to get those kind of appointments right out of the gate. I know I've, I've seen it a little bit too. We had a regional vice president for auto owners in our office about two years ago. And she basically said, Hey, if, if, if you don't, if you don't join the big eye, we're not appointing you. Right. You know, so that, that definitely goes on in other States as sure, well. Sure. Hey, Hey Doug, for a few yeah. minutes here, you've got, you've got my attention. You've got Bradley's undivided attention. Um, I know you're doing some tech evals, tech tech evaluations. Bradley's pretty pretty good, pretty slick at that stuff. And I wanted to ask you right now, today, as we sit here, uh, January of 2024. Any questions that you have for Bradley and I that we can answer while you're on this podcast that maybe could help other agents? And then, and then I guess to uh, question one B, uh, what what do you feel like your biggest challenge is right now with your agency? And maybe we can help. Maybe we can. And what are some of the changes you're making? Yeah. So, um, you know, we we started out with a. Uh, I, I, I'll avoid naming the names of everything, but we started out with a management system that was inexpensive, and um, and it got bought and sold a few times, and uh, we took on a CRM. Bradley's wheels are already turning over here, Doug. He's like, mm, yeah. After we that? after we met up in in Boston. At Chris Paradiso's original event, we took on the CRM that um, uh, when we got back, we hadn't really done too much with it. We had a VoIP phone system that uh, didn't have too many capabilities. We had a website that was tethered to our management system, but didn't interact with it too much. So we've changed all those things. Well, everybody knows what management system yep, is. Yep, right, 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 right. <laughs> so we, we got Hawksoft going, and yep. we've got, um, I'll just say it, we got Agency Zoom talking to that. And um, and then for the phone and the website, we've got Lightspeed and Advisor Evolved. So those are our big changes this year. And uh, we've got somebody uh, building it out for us and um, kind of making it all talk to each other. And we've got some big plans to try and automate some communications and, um, and uh, completely eliminate double or triple entry of data in any way, shape, or form. And um, a, a lot of those things that I wish I would have thought through a little better starting out. I think we were just kind of desperate to get rolling and get some traction, and uh, we didn't think through the stuff we were we were we were using or 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 see a big picture 
from a tech standpoint. And, um, and so for maybe a year and a half, at least two years, maybe even there's been some changes that we wanted to make, certainly with Hawks off. And I think we weren't just like ready for it because it's like disruptive to make changes, right? Sure. So, so disruptive. It's really disruptive. So we've been going through it now for a couple months, and uh, I think we feel we feel pretty good. We have our final training call with Hawks off tomorrow, and uh, and then they're going to set us free. And it's really really cool what that does, and it's really cool how it's working with that other stuff. And it feels good because it's been a little bit of a hair on fire year. I think another challenge is that we'd like to add some additional staff. You know, all things being like uh, what they are, you can't go too crazy. You know, payroll can be a big expense. So we've been mm-hmm. sort of tempered or measured in how we've done that. So I feel like 24 is our year where it's like all really coming together. We're going to have this tech that's going to take some tasks off people's back. Yep. We're going to try and add some people. I feel like we should be firing on all cylinders a, a little better than than we were before. It's so important to have all of the tech talking to each other. So many agents run out and sign up for the system that's cool or the system that somebody recommended in a Facebook group. You know, people will post which management system's best in a Facebook group, which is basically like asking, what's your favorite color? You're going to get a million different answers and none of them matter. And in fact, a lot of times in those groups, people will recommend tech that they use not because they like it, but because they're trying to justify their decision for them to make that commitment to that tech. You know what I mean? Like, like I use XYZ management system. I'm going to recommend that one. That way I can justify the reason we chose to use it. Sure. But you know, if you, if you add tech that doesn't talk to other tech, yeah, you may be solving one problem, but you're creating another one on the other side. And I would rather not have the cutting edge tech and wait on it to talk to my other tech. You know, there's a program we're using now called Gaia that Scott and I are both investors in and, and we're not using it yet in our agency. Kenneth and I are testing it because it doesn't have all of the, the connections that we need it to. And they know that, and we have that communication with them. So we have our agency training with Gaia and maybe we'll have a podcast this the next two days on that and kind of Not what yet. it does. He, he wasn't ready. We I, have, told, I told him he needed to be ready for the floodgates before we had him on. So we have our agency training with them Wednesday of this week where our entire 14-member team will be on that training. What does it do? I, so far, I've been impressed with that. We will see. I, I think uh, if I'm a Raider out there, I, I'm standing up and taking notice of that because what Gaia does, and maybe I should let Bradley say it, but – Basically, they have this uh, super copy function where basically you super copy. Let's say you start in a Raider, like like PL Raider, for instance. You can super copy every bit of that information and then open up each carrier site that you have access to, hit, hit the super copy function, and every bit of that information flows into that carrier site. So mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, to me, it almost does away with the need for having a Raider because you just whatever you wherever you want to start putting all that information in, its purpose is to do away with the duplication of information. Am I correct? Am I about exactly? It's, a Chrome, it's a Chrome extension exactly that screen scrapes the screen. Yep, and transfers all the data. There's some AI built in so it can read the screen and know where it goes in the in the next carrier. We're taking it a step further, and we are integrating it with our management system. So what's going to happen is. When one of my team members is making a change, let's say they're in, you know, 
Liberty Mutual, they can hit the Chrome extension, type a customer name in. Our entire book of business is in their search function. They click the customer name. This is not a paid endorsement, by the way. They click the <laughs> customer name and then all the info flows. So not only That's do we, really have, we have new business data, but we also have the current customers. So it just allows people to move faster. But with something like that, the flip side of that too, is if you roll the tech out too fast to your team and it's not working yet, they are going to get it in their head that this doesn't work. Right. And yeah. you, then you're going to have to do some retraining and stuff. So like right. we are actually, you know, in my career as portal has gotten older, I've gotten progressively more hesitant of rolling out new tech to my team until right. it's ready right? because I don't want to hinder them in some kind of way to me and to you and to Doug being a beta tester of tech is really cool. But to our employees being a beta tester of tool is not exactly cool. Like they, right. they're trying to do their job. They're not trying to change easier. the insurance industry. They're doing their job. Sure. You and don't so want to poison need... the well, you know, exactly. either they're, yeah. like, they're, they're just got a fixed in their head that this doesn't work. So, um, so, so yeah, in a perfect that world, sounds really cool. Yeah. In a perfect world, if you, if you were going to use this product, Doug, here's what would happen. One of your agents could say, okay, this person just called or walked in and they want a home and auto quote. And I have three carriers, Safeco travelers and openly that I think this customer fits well with, right? You could take, fill out the traveler's uh, off the travelers website, you could fill out all the data on travelers, hit super copy, go to Safeco, hit paste, basically all that information pastes into the, the Safeco site. Then you open up the openly web portal, hit paste again, all that information pasted into the, Pops to right the up. openly web portal. And now you've got three quotes and you just hit copy paste twice mm -hmm. to get that. Yeah, that's super cool, especially right now, us where we are because of the market conditions, you know, our Raider does not work very well. It's Dude, not that's, kicking that, out that, premiums, listen, it's not porting info overs. It's listen, you ain't the Lone Ranger. That is happening across the country. Marketing reps will tell you, we don't write, we don't want to write business right now. So we're not working and playing well with Raiders because we really don't want you to get a rate from a Raider. Right. Yeah. Well, too, the beautiful thing about it is it's it's carrier agnostic. Correct. So the you don't the you don't have to have the buy in from the carrier in order. You know they yeah, they just map awesome. it essentially. But and and, and and let me tell you why we're going to get five thousand calls, emails, and texts about what we're talking about right now is exactly what you just said. Because guess what? Let's say it's an agency build account that you're writing through a broker MGA. You yep. can do the exact same thing with. RPS, GenCap, Amwins. Yep. So, so you're, it's not like, you know how a Raider, they'll say, oh, well, you know, these are the carriers that we have for our Raider. Right. This is, a, as Bradley put it, agnostic. So it doesn't matter. This is going to work just as well for the guy or girl that's on the coast that does a lot of like what I call like non-standard or, or, or what do you call it, Brad? Regional type carriers yeah, regionals. as it is for the guy in Nebraska that uses traveler Safeco nationwide and yeah. whoever Those else, companies you know? aren't in the Raider. Correct. So a lot of those regionals or smaller one or whatever. So it's like, we're still, we're still, and that that's a gap. And <laughs> in, in my, in my goal of not having the redundant entry, 
is that because like we can have a client fill out our form and it goes through, let's say it goes into Zoom, which is now part of Vertiforce. So you can we port that into the PL. Scott's but, getting fucked up. He's opening the I'm whiskey. I'm about to drink some whiskey but at, you at, cannot, at 10 a.m. in the morning. You, you cannot get it into these other carriers that don't use the rating software. So that's and that and that's something that we've 100%. talked about quite a bit recently and how frustrating that is. So that's we'd like to clarify that Scott is not driving today. No, I'm not. I driving. like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Doug, a couple more questions before we like gotta let you go. Love it. Going from non-agency owner to agency owner, you know, there's a lot of things that you just don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, like we just acquired an agency that we're going to talk about in a later episode and, you know, things got really clunky right before close. And part of me wanted to, de to delay the sale a month so we could get these issues worked out. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be clunky no matter how, I mean, there's, yeah. there's going to be unknown things that pop up and struggles no matter how soon or late we close. So like as an agency owner, like there's things you just don't know. What's been the biggest challenge from you, for you going from, you know, producer to agency owner? Yeah. Or maybe the biggest it surprise. Huge, it is a huge leap. And I'll take a second and answer that. I heard you talking with Maverick about having to take a step back to take this leap. And and it was a crazy time, you know, to, to kind of like quit my job with a bunch of kids and a wife who at that time was home with the kids. You know, I, for a long time, was like, how can I do this? Mm -hmm. And and we did sort of take this step back. When we moved back here, we moved into this, like, you know, smaller house. And we we ran pretty lean getting this place going. There was not a lot of frills and extras and traveling and, and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a, like a, a scramble of sorts to kind of get this place up and running and get some revenue in the door. So that was sort of like my story. It was a little bit less than perfect. And I suppose if I if I could go back in Scott's DeLorean and do it over again, I think I would have focused out of the gate on the tech because I, yeah. I, I believe we've spent a lot of time doing like human tasks or we've had some of these stretches of our hair being on fire for whatever reason. And those are things that we could have just solved immediately out of the gate. If I would have been a little bit more more in that mindset to think about it that way. But, you know, you come from what you know. And, you know, I mean, I, I was at a little bit more of a, a of an old school agency, I guess you might say. And that was what we knew. When I started in 2017, yeah. I was, we they, they made paper files at the old place. We were making paper files and scanning them in to our system as well, kind of like redundantly. But I mean, it seems like a hundred years ago now, thinking, you know, just even saying that, but we were seven years ago making some paper files. So we were very tech backwards. And I, and I think that especially, you know, um, we talk about David Crothers and, and I, I just admire how he really built that place. So tech focused that it's allowed him to run kind of like a little leaner in terms of, yep. in terms of support staff and other things that's appealing to me. And that's where I'm trying to get now. So Doug, to your point, I wrote this down after you said what you just said. My agency currently has 12 different automations that we're running. We use Hawksoft as our management system, Agency Zoom as our CRM. So only, this is David Carruthers does this. The only thing going into Hawksoft is policy data, right? If you write a policy, that policy gets put the customer's information, the, the policies, there's policy shells underneath the customer information. 
And then we use Agency Zoom as more of our prospecting and our service pipeline, right? Same. So my my agency has 12 different automations that are running 24-7, 365. And I'm going to I'm going to go through some of the big ones here. Okay. The very first automation I ever did was the birthday ringless voicemail. It is a ringless voicemail that goes to every client on their birthday. And it's Scott talking. Hey, this is Scott with, uh, I protect insurance. It's very, that, that message is very, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for, Bradley? Very, uh, very casual, you know, just a casual conversation. Hey, this is Scott with I protect insurance. Hey, I just wanted to say happy birthday to you and tell you how much we appreciate you letting us, you know, uh, handle your insurance business, trusting us with your insurance business. Uh, hope you have the the best of days today. If there's anything I can do for you, please don't hesitate to give me a call. Happy birthday. Take care. That's it. That's the only one. One, one message on their birthday it goes out at like, I want to say 10 a.m. every day. The other one, two, three, four that I wrote down here, one, two, three, four. Late pays, policy cancellations, claims, and new business. So on day one, oh, and renewal. There's five there. So that's six total I've just written down. I can't remember what the other six are. Birthday ringless voicemail, late pays. The late pay, we were reaching out to them too many times. I think we had 10 in there. That's way too many times to reach out to somebody. So the late pay notification we don't start the automation until our agency gets that late pay thing from the carrier. So it's not like we're starting it on their due date. Does that make sense? Because yes, if it's if it's Scott Howell or Bradley Flowers and I owe uh, Wells Fargo Bank some money for a loan, and Wells Fargo starts beating me up about it the day after my due date, I'm I'm eventually going to get pissed off about that, right? Yeah. So uh, I want to say it's like. You know, uh, when 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 the carrier notifies us, I think it's like maybe ten days prior to cancellation. We we have like five different ways we reach out to them. Here's the key with the late pay stuff: you've got to have a system in place when they make that payment because if you want to piss somebody off, have them make it and then uh, make it on a Thursday and Friday morning they get a ringless voice mail from Scott saying, hey, this is Scott Howell. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder that your payment's due. Some bitch, I paid my payment yesterday. Yeah. Why are you calling me? The only other thing you could do is you could add in, because we dealt with this a lot at Alpha because we made manual or my team made manual late pay calls. A lot of people paid by check. Right. The only thing you could add is is you could add in there, hey, if for some reason you've made this payment already. That's what it says. Yeah, that's what I say. That's off. the last thing I say is, hey, by the way, if you've already made this payment, please disregard this message. Yeah. yeah. That's the very last thing I say. Yeah. Policy cancellations. We've got a automation for that. We have five touches, five touches for claims. So uh, Harley Self is my claims manager. She puts that claim in the uh, pipeline when the person, when we're notified of the claim or the person calls us and they start over like a, I want to say like a 20, 30 day period. They get like texts from Harley and email from me on day one that says it's a, it's a video email. Scott says, Hey, this is Scott Howell with iProtect Insurance. Now, this is a video that they're getting on their email. I'm sitting in front of them talking. They can see me. 
I just want you to know that I've been notified that you had a claim, and I'm so sorry that this has happened. But this is why we're here, to help you hold your hand through this claims process. You'll be getting some communication from us over the next few days, blah, and it just it goes on for like 30 to 45 seconds. So that's, that's, that's really nice. Yeah. So, so then there's the new business automation. Same email, video with Scott. Hey, this is Scott Howell. I'm the agency owner for iProtect Insurance. And I wanted to wish you, I wanted to thank you for becoming part of the iProtect family. It goes on and on and on. I don't want to get into I love that. that. That's all really great stuff. And then here comes the big finale, guys. So for three years, we sat in meeting after meeting after meeting with insurance agents throwing chairs at each other, fist fighting. The police had to be called. Somebody would hit somebody in the head with a baseball bat because we would mention the word, how do you do renewals? And if you do that on a Facebook group, like all the satellites start, as Bradley likes to say, linking up in outer space because there's 742 people that will tell you a different way to do it. So I had the idea of how about we put it, make it a blend of everything. So 30 days prior to renewal, we send out a text message. That text message, you click a link, you answer like six questions. And the last question is, would you like for us to contact you and talk about your renewal? And mm-hmm. if they hit yes, we contact them. If they hit no, we don't. What if they ignore it? Well, we probably, we no. probably don't. Yeah. So it's just kind of a blend of what we kept hearing everybody, the Chris Paradiso's, you have to talk to every single person. And then the people that were like, we don't call anybody. Yeah. If they want it. If they want it, uh, they can call us, you know, that kind of thing. And we heard everything in between. So I was like, you know what? Let's make a blend of everything. So I that's kind it, of what we did. I think it I, I like it. People, people just want to know that you yeah. know they're there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. They, they just want to know that you're not completely lost and like, you know, that they're, they are not lost and forgotten about. So I, I think just reaching out with that stuff and saying, hey, like, we'll give you a, like, let's 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 jump on a call if you want to. Right. And one of the things our little renewal text message survey thing says, you click the link, it says, have you had any life changes? Yeah. That's a big one, right? Yeah. yeah. I got divorced uh, two weeks ago. Well, that's kind of a big deal, right? And yeah. it also gives you air cover if something, you know, they did get divorced. The wife never got taken off. Sure. And then the husband's mad about it six months or the new wife is mad about it six months later. Exactly. And you're like, well, we sent you this email that you, you know, hundred percent. I think it matters to the billing type too. You know, part of the reason we have really good retention, as you guys know, is I basically, if you're not paying in full, you got to go EFT with me. Cheers. Mm -hmm. And I think that if somebody's on EFT, the communications are way different than if they're paying in full. If they're on ESP, unless there's some crazy rate changes or something, it's, it's they get automations, but it's pretty much let's just let it roll, right. you know, because it it just it how, highly depends on the billing type for us. But hey, one thing I want to tell you, and then I got to go. We got to run, get off this next week, Doug. Next week, I want to jump on a Zoom call with you, and I'm going to okay. show you two things in Hawksoft that'll change your life. So, well, the first thing I'm going to show you. Every single morning when I go to the office, I turn my computer on, or if I'm working from home, turn my laptop on. And at 8 a.m., between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., I run a daily Hawksoft download report. And I'm going to show you how to do that. And you can run this report. It's about a five step process. It's going to give you all your 
policy pending cancellations or cancellations. Mm -hmm. You can highlight those in red. And it also has a column that shows you policy increases at renewals. You can highlight those in red. And, you know, over the last five years, we've gone from we used to contact anybody that had a 10% or higher <laughs> rate increase. Today, that is 20% or higher 10% rate increase. 10% is basically it went down. Right. Nowadays. I'm going to show you how to do that. The next yeah. thing I'm going to show you how to do, and again, this is after they cut you loose and you got all your stuff in there. I'm going to show you how to run that agency intelligence report. Have you run that yet? I have I have played with it. And Dude, um, that's the that's the jam. I have right not there. gotten out of there exactly what I was thinking. So I'd I'd love to have you. That is a thirty thousand foot view of your entire agency to include total premium retention ratio, total uh, premium by carrier, total uh, retention ratio by agent. The about the only thing that it won't show me on there is retention percentage by carrier. Yeah. Meaning. Wow. You know, you look in there and you say, all right, uh, Safeco, how many of these clients have we retained over the past 12 months? It will not show that, but it will show you a bird's eye view of your entire agency. Would love to show that to you as well. I would I would love to see that. You know, my, my feeling really is that this hard market is obviously going to end some sometime. Some people mm -hmm. think it's another year or so. And then I think we're going to be real busy. Um, remarketing a lot of people because you know there's going to be folks. It's going to soften. You're going to have folks swooping in and advertising right. a lot, and people are you know talking. And, and I just moved here. I I think there's going to be movement, and I think like these things that we're talking about are going to be really important at that point. Right. It'll it's going to allow us to retain you know our current clients by remarketing them or whatever we have to do. You know, hundred percent. And the more you touch them, the better chance you have. Mm -hmm of when it comes time for them to start shopping, they go, you know what? Scott's been good to me. I'm going to give him a shot at this. Mm -hmm. Instead of just getting the email, please cancel my insurance effective two, four of 24, right? Yeah. All right, Doug, I got to go. I'm going to be the maddest I have ever been at somebody. If you don't tell your beautiful wife, Liz, hello from myself and my beautiful wife, Kim, I am so excited. The One of the reasons I like to plan trips in the future, like the one we're doing, is it gives me something to look forward to when I'm sitting there getting cussed out by Miss Jones about why her damn homeowner policy went up $32 this year. That's how it works for all of us, Scott. I, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> pumped. We're coming in hot from the stones in New Orleans. That's right. So, You're going to be, uh, hey, Bradley, he's going to be at the Rolling Stones on like Friday night. There you go. Saturday, fly down to Key West to spend two or three days with us. So I'm excited, man. We're going to have a blast. Say hi to Kim for us. And Bradley, I hope Laurel's feeling real good. And uh, triplets, they're having triplets. Have you heard? <laughs> and I told him, look, I know you can only name one of them, Scott. That's fine. I mean, only one of them needs oh, to George be. George Foreman, I don't know. He's got, three, he's got like five Georges. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm going to end this thing and shut it down. As I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. You just heard Doug Benz. You need to have a lot of these automations set up in your agency because it's going to make your life so much easier. So much easier. Take it from me. Yes. See the I, other side. <laughs> or you can do paper files and keep all your shit in the trapper keeper if that's what you want to do. But I can promise you this. If you decide to go that route, the 1998 Star Wars trapper keeper, your life's going to be miserable all the time.
Trust me. And you're probably going to have an E&O claim and people are going to leave your agency because they're like, wait, what? I got to do what? I got to call late pays. I don't want to call late pay. Anyway, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world, build relationships, create these automations, do what you need to do to have an agency that is competitive in this market that we're in, in 2024, go write good business for the agencies that you represent, write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley flowers. I love you so much. Thanks Doug. Doug. Great guys. Thank you so much. I love you too, guys. You are listening to the insurance guys podcast and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.